you're listening to the one-on-one football podcast the number one podcast for aussie rules training coaching and development tips Welcome to episode four of the one-on-one football podcast. My name is Andrew Rains, and I'm the founder of one-on-one football. I'm joined again by our co-host of the show, Harry Simington. Welcome, Harry. Thanks, Rainsy. Good to be back, mate. It's been a while, the, uh, the Christmas break, but we're, uh, we're back into it now and uh, really excited for our first guest of 2021. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Now, this guest is on our platform, our coaching platform, and she's a very popular coach up there on the Gold Coast or up here on the Gold Coast where I'm from. Um, coaching a lot of young uh, up-and-coming female footballers and also males. Um, and she is going to discuss a bit more today, more about herself too, um, but we're going to touch on a specific topic which we're big on here on our podcast. And we're going to speak to her about pioneering AFLW, leading, teaching and coaching young females. And our guest today is Sally Riley. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, Sally. We've obviously worked together a bit at the Suns and, uh, and got to know each other there. And with the time you've been doing... Um, with a one-on-one football platform being about a year now, enjoying that? It has. It's actually, as long as 2020 did go, it's gone really quick, to be honest. Um, yeah, I've loved it. Thanks for having me on board. No, doing a great job. And um, just for our listeners out there, obviously with the playing current player in the AFLW, um, also doing a bit of coaching um, through academies and, and obviously, as I said before, on the platform. But Give our listeners a bit more of an overview of your, your career and also maybe even a bit um, further back and how Aussie Rules sort of came about with, with your life. Yeah, um, originally I'm from Ballarat in country Victoria. So grew up um, on a farm down there and Aussie Rules essentially come to me in the backyard. Um, I'm getting into my late 20s, early 30s, early, early 30s now. And back then, yeah, footy, I saw it on TV, loved it, backyard, um, kick to kick with my brother and sister. And that's how I become passionate about AFL. But a bit of my upbringing is, yeah, country Victoria and I was a netballer growing up. So always, um, always into the team sports, trying new things and Mum couldn't get us in the house at dinner time. We were too busy playing competitive backyard sport. Amazing! It's a uh, it's 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 a great foundation to build off, isn't it? Playing multiple sports. We've um in previous episodes we're talking about that, and look, you know, multiple sports it sort of sets you up as a um, as a really great, really good sort of um, competitor. And um, did you have brothers brothers and sisters that you um, that you managed to compete with in the backyard? Yeah, I'm actually the eldest of three, and um, yeah, I think it was, I'd like to claim it was me who got my brother into footy. <laughs> Amazing. Um, my sister wasn't as keen, but we, yeah, we played netball growing up, um, and then through school footy, and by the end of it, it was my brother and I getting pretty competitive in the backyard, and I, to go back to your question, Rainsy, to get into the AFL, it wasn't even on the horizon for me, because there was no women's football back then. Um, and it was only when I ended up through my teaching career, living in Darwin, that football kind of come to fruition and I was able to do football and netball locally, um, which started off, yeah, my AFL career at the Adelaide Crows. Yeah, amazing. And um, was, was, that, um, was that sort of when you, when you realised that, um, that professional football was an option? Was that when you really started to pursue it? Um, yeah, it's a great question there, Harry, because it was never... I know being a part of the inaugural draft in 2016, um, a lot of the girls said, this has been a dream of mine. I've really, like, I've aspired to do this. But for me, 
it sounds a bit weird, but I, I didn't because we couldn't. We couldn't aspire to do that. You know, you would, you'd be a little girl and you'd have dreams of, oh, imagine if there was girls running around on the MCG, like that kind of thing. But until it was a reality that 2017 is going to be a legitimate competition, I think that's probably the moment when I was living in Darwin and I was in that scope of playing good footy, uh, representing the state, that I thought, I'm actually in a good window here that I can knuckle down and really aim to get. Yeah, so for me, I was I was probably 23, 24. Um, so a bit of a late bloomer in terms of taking my footy seriously, I guess. It's amazing, isn't it? And I think that's the best thing about um, professional sport with women these days or females, being able to have that opportunity. And we're seeing it in multiple sports, obviously, and the opportunity to play not only uh, the one sport but multiple sports too and actually find your feet and actually build a, a really professional career. I, I think the AFLW has got a huge um, a huge future and I think uh, in 10, 20 years might be having a bit of a different discussion about playing multiple sports. I think they might be probably sticking to the one sport because it hopefully will be full-time and we're going to talk a bit more about that a bit later. But um, I'm not going to read out the Google scoop because that's what a lot of hosts do. They they, they Google obviously need a bit of research on your, on your guests but... Off the top of my head, um, you've played in a few football states now, um, as you touched on before, coming out of the draft in 2016, the AFLW draft, and getting drafted to the Adelaide Crows and spending three years playing in their premiership in the in the first season and unfortunately missing in the in the 2019 grand final. Um, I've had a year with the Suns, um, going into your second year, and talk us a bit about um, what it was like, um, you know, playing football in a couple of different states and different clubs. And also, what what's the challenges been along the way with that? Yeah, it's definitely, I suppose, a bit of an unorthodox journey. Um, <laughs> and starting late, and I guess the, the rarity of the AFLW has meant a lot of changes and a lot of girls can, can speak the same thing, that it's part-time nature. Um, you know, you do, you need to relocate around Australia, whether it's for a few months or, or years, you do need to make those sacrifices. But for me, I think once I decided I'm giving it my all to get drafted, from then on, um, I've just done what's best for me personally, but to get the best out of my football um, ability. So in Darwin, I played in the local league in the NTFL up there. So I only ever played school football in Victoria, and that was the one gala day and all of us netballers would play football because we couldn't any other time. So the poor old netball coach didn't like us too much. We're like, we never get to play footy. This is our one day of the year we can at school. Um, and then moving to Darwin for teaching, I ended up playing for the local league there um, and then getting selected in the state side, um, playing for NT Thunder as well in the VFL, also a, a step up. Um, and then obviously moving to... Adelaide after the season, after the first season of AFLW, um, I was involved in that state league as well, playing for Norwood. So I've definitely, I guess, got around Australia a little bit and had my experience with the state leagues and now living on the Gold Coast, Coolangatta is my local team. But I think there are those challenges. Um, one of the challenges, obviously, you're starting fresh again, new coaches, um, new people, but also the rules I've found with the, with the female football as well. You one set of rules in NT, then you go and play VFL and there's 18 on the field, but then you come to um, AFLW and there's 16 on the field and last touch. So even that, I suppose, when you're moving across state leagues is is a challenge in itself. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just always, wherever I've moved, I've just thrown myself 100% in that community and that team. 
So Sally, you mentioned earlier um, about the lack of opportunity for um, female footballers back when you were growing up. Um, now you're a big part of the AFLW um, and sort of paving the path for, for younger girls um, that are coming through now. Uh, how does it feel knowing that, that you're a part of, um, of such, a, such an exciting journey? Yeah, it's absolutely, it's come along an unbelievably rate that I would never see, or I never really thought possible, to be honest. Um, so I feel really proud um, to be a part of it, but also just so grateful that for me, the timing suited me, um, my stage of life, and I guess where, where I was at. Um, I think of the, the amazing footballers a bit older than me that maybe missed that gap of when AFLW started, but... Um, just looking back now, you know, even five years ago when we won that first premiership, no one still really knew about the competition. And then the growth now, having growth in Adelaide when I was there and even up here on the Gold Coast, the amount of junior teams and girls that are playing is just through the roof. So it's something that I think will really sink in once I, I finish my career on how far it has come. But just from country Victoria alone, when I left um, Victoria eight years ago, Ballarat had no senior football teams or junior girls teams at all. And now there's just, they can't keep up with registration. So it's something I'm really proud of. And it's only going to go further into the, um, into the future and grow and grow. Uh, it's, it is incredible, isn't it? When you, when you talk about that and you can just see, I actually personally remember the first season and I didn't know, to be honest, I didn't know how it was going to go. And, I, and I obviously being heavily involved in the, in the men's industry for, for quite some time and hearing about it. Like obviously I used to see a lot of the girls come through the academy, the work I've done there, and a lot of girls do play football. But going to professional level, again, I was I just didn't know. You know, I thought it might have taken a couple of years, to be totally honest. I knew there was obviously a future in it for sure. I think that – and then obviously the, the negativity that came with that, a lot of um, media commentators and things like writing it off. I think it was a, just such a great result that first year. And, and you talk about – the grand final that you played in, I remember um, being on the Gold Coast um, at that time and just all the hype around sort of playing, obviously, the game at Metricon and, and things like that. So I think just the from as soon as it hit the ground in, in year one, I think it's just gone, um, you know, ballistic since then, and it's so exciting. I think very proud. You obviously played a huge part in that. Um, back onto that perception, what's, what's your view about, um, that perception and and the the whole female industry in sport and, and obviously in particular AFLW, um, do you think that's now changing and and hopefully we've we've sort of shut those knockers um, down a fair bit and, and gone you know what there actually is a future and this is this is going to be Absolutely. massive. Absolutely, yeah, and it's like to be honest, it's got a long way to go, but for where it's come from, mm. um, it's again from that first season you know everyone saw the comments on social media or on the news that it's it's rubbish and you know why would we watch mm. this but people are slowly learning and putting it into perspective that we are part-time athletes and it is only mm. going to get better we've got the junior girls watching us on tv thinking i want to do that and and like yourselves we're getting quality coaches out there who are really seeing a pathway in that perspective as well that they can actually they're not not just the dad volunteering his time who's got no idea. Um, there's genuine coaches out there who are seeing, hey, this is this is a pathway for females now. Um, there's role models and, yeah, I know especially from a teaching perspective, girls are 
choosing football as their sport. So it is slowly becoming, mm. yeah, the norm that, that girls can play any sport that they'd like to, which for me, growing up always keen to try all sports, is a dream come true. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll touch on the role models a little bit a little bit later on. I think that's a huge part of, um, you know, I guess the motivation to, to start playing team sport and then obviously, um, you know, take it take it even further from there um, when we when we start seeing professionals such as you, uh, such as yourself, um, sort of um, yeah, leading paving the, paving the way really for um, for for female footy and female sport. Um, we've seen it develop a heap, as Ranzi mentioned. It's um, it's come a long way in a, in a short period of time. Um, the AFLW, I think it started as an exhibition game, and and now we've got um, you know we've got leagues all over the country and a, and a national competition, and um, it's it's no doubt gonna going to keep improving um wh- where do you think the aflw is going to go and, and and where would you like to see it go in the future yeah so see, i i look at it from a queensland perspective as well i was only chatting to someone the other day how in the original year you know brisbane lions had their trial um for their draftees in that original year five years ago and now having the gold coast suns as well there's just greater opportunities and through with the academies as well so Obviously, it is growing. Um, maybe 2020 might not, obviously, the, the repercussions from that, it might not grow as quick as we would have liked. Mm. How I do see all clubs having a team. Um, I know, what have we got? Hawks and Essendon, a um, couple of others um, who don't have teams yet. So I do see those teams coming in. And eventually, it would be really, really good to obviously see a, a full season where you do get to play everyone at least once. Um, and let's say 10 years down the track, well, Beyond my time, how awesome would it be to see full-time female <laughs> AFLW players? That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's definitely a possibility. And, and as as you mentioned before, just the growth and, and the, I suppose, um, the grassroots factor where girls are now coming through and actually got, uh, can see a direct pathway. And you talk about the academies and things like that, the direct link, that helps. I mean, it's helped in the boys uh, or the, in the male landscape too, having that clear pathway knowing that they can actually, um, you know, play the game at professional level. I think that um, helps. And on the topic of pathways and things like that, we talk a lot about skills. Um, and on this show too, we, we like to delve into particular topics on skills about coaching. Um, now, for, a bit surprising, obviously new to the game, as you said, but um, I've watched a few of your highlights and watched a bit of your play. And you've also been complimented a fair bit on your kicking ability has this always been? Have you always been a good kick? Well, who knows? With uh, with the background, um, as you said before, being more of a netballer. But how did how this come about? How how did you sort of develop your kicking skills? Yeah, it's my first answer to that is I was I feel extremely lucky that I kind of picked up a footy and could kick it. Um, I, I know that sounds a bit weird, but in primary school, could always I just could naturally kind of pick it up and had that ability to kick a drop punt. And I know the boys at school were just like how how can you kick like that? Like, And I, I remember being in primary school and I couldn't figure out why other girls couldn't kick drop putts. So, like, I was just like... So, I know that sounds a bit, yeah, a bit arrogant, I suppose, but I just... You made for the game. I, I was really lucky that I could, I could just pick up a footy and kick a drop putt. But to be honest, um, I think why that is one of my strengths is constantly, you know, outside of school, at school, in the backyard was like we instill in our um, in our players who we coach that it's just that touch that's practicing those skills and the mm. amount of hours as a as a kid that I spent in the backyard you know on the farm we had dad set up the goalposts and 
we had the chook shed and the cubby house was a goal and, you know, we had those targets. My brother and I were always playing those games and when I look back, like it, it is, it's that where you just, you play for fun but you're constantly touching the footy. That's that's how yeah. I I kind of grew, grew to love the game. And then, yeah, the, so cliche, but the more that you do it, the better you, you get at it. Yeah, hundred percent. We're we're huge on on putting in the um, you know the extra hours, and um, I think um, it'd be interesting to get your get your opinion. Do you think it's as it's um, for young girls out there who really want to um, who might be coming from another sport who really want to add kicking to their game? Do you think it's as as simple as just have the footy in your hands as much, kick as much as possible, or are there any um, I guess specific drills now that you've moved into coaching that that you like to use with your um with your footballers that you that you think really sort of helps accelerate that um that learning process for kicking yeah definitely i think um for a lot of and our cross coders for example um myself being a netball having my first official football coach probably was when i was in the nt so i was 23 for the first time having a coach and i love that these girls are eight years old and they're having someone teach them to kick a footy um so over the years, it's it's only going to get better, and that's hence why eventually it will be a full time competition with the growth. But um, for me, it is just that consistency um, using different types of balls. Or I love getting a tennis ball out there. Um, you know, when sometimes we put that ball, girls often get the ball a bit crooked or struggle with the one handed um, ball drop, as you guys would know. So little drills like that, and I love I love vision. Um, you know filming filming my clients and saying hey this is this is what I'm I'm talking about um, can you see that and then they start to identify oh yeah that's that's why that kick went over there and and that type of thing so just teaching them the what a good kick feels like really well it's all it is all about the touch and feel it's funny you say that about the different balls and different and obviously the, the vision element too I think it's really good for um, footballers or, or young developing footballers that, that can actually hold a different football, different size if, if it is a tennis ball and try and aim that in the middle of their boot because at the end of the day, we're all about everyone's got their own style and we've got to be really careful as coaches obviously not to jump in the way of that. I've got a different technique to you and Harry's got a different one to me and, and yourself. So it's like I think understanding that from a coaching point of view is really important but at the end of the day, there's a couple of key fundamentals about it and I think the tennis ball is a great one. Obviously, the vision you talk about using that um, and then just to see the outcome from that. So then when they can then put a football in their hand after having 50 kicks with a tennis ball, they feel amazing. Or if you film them after their, you know, six weeks of working with them really closely, I think they can see the difference. Obviously, that, that mental approach um, stimulates them a lot more to actually want to improve and they can see the results. Um, and obviously, you'd see this all the time, being a school teacher, and, and does that sort of come natural to you being a teacher and then now your passion for coaching. Um, what do you love most about teaching and coaching? And then another question to follow up on that, What do you have aspirations to sort of yeah, be a coach think, one day? Um, going, going off the back of the vision is that that's why we do it. You see someone, no matter how mm. old they are, I guess that light bulb goes on or it clicks or they see, wow, I improved, I actually did this. Um, and that's, again, where the vision comes in handy that they, they'll just – go through the motions and yeah potentially improve but when you can actually mm. show them that's more motivating and then they go oh actually well if i can do that what's the next challenge what else have you got for me so yeah, yeah. um and i always knew i wanted to be a teacher pretty early on so i was very lucky 
in that at school. I was like, that, yep, that's what I'd like to do. Um, love working Perfect. with people. And, again, it's it's that knowing you can make a, a difference, whether it's big or small, but having someone go, hey, I'd like to work on this, and you being able to, to help and, and see the see the results is really rewarding. What was the second yeah. part to your question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do we have a do we have a, do we have an up and coming next uh, oh, AFLW coach or AFL coach? One day. Do you have aspirations oh, to coach? Long way to go before a head coach. Um, but in terms of yeah, now and and post footy, I do. Um, I think at, at this stage more awesome. the, the development levels. Um, so well, I've just been trying to get as much experience as I can, watching other coaches, helping out with the academies. Um, yeah, learning, because I know I've got so much more to learn as a player and as a coach. Um, but, yeah, definitely mm. that, that development level, the underage, um, even, you know, being a part of an AFLW team from the coaching perspective would be amazing. But, yeah, definitely. And I think that's all it's mm. heading as well. More females will end up in the coaching space now that their knowledge has increased and they're feeling more comfortable in the environment. Absolutely. And, like, obviously... Um, for for younger players getting drafted into the system, it's it's good to see. Um, I guess I guess that's what I found. Like um, with with players that sort of got to the end of their career as a player, and then um, you sort of saw them as a as a leader, and they almost coached on field, and then they transitioned into a into a coaching role, and um, you can sort of get that consistent exposure to um, to the same sort of leaders. And um, I think being a teacher, that no doubt um, comes quite naturally. And and you mentioned development. Um, that's that's obviously one of your one of your strengths and um i'd be interested to know um who are some of the best leaders that you've played with um uh sort of yeah throughout your career um and sort of what qualities do they do they possess um oh i've i've been extremely lucky to play with you know, some of the best leaders in the world but i think for me leadership leadership started when when i was playing netball you know the country netball back in victoria and you are playing with you know adults or kind of I guess your local heroes around around your club that you look up to them and go hey look I want to be like them or I really like what they're doing one day that would be me and I think um generally I've always felt well yeah I guess I am a bit of a bit of a natural leader because I do like to um again help people and essentially when I went to the Adelaide Crows being in the leadership group there was a very humbling experience and to be in the leadership group with Aaron Phillips, you know, Chelsea Randall, Courtney Cravey, like those girls that are elite and everything that they do on and off the field. And again, since I guess since I've been out of that environment, you realise, wow, they're, they're good on field because of what they also do off the field. So yeah, super yeah. lucky. And then, then I come to the Suns and I've got Sam Virgo and Leah, Leah Kasler as our captains last year. So again, different leadership styles but but great leaders and they're there for for a reason so i've been really lucky in terms of meeting new leaders and and picking up different strategies and strengths from them um, over my career so let's delve into the leadership styles as you just touched on then and some of the leaders you mentioned with aaron phillips or alia kazler or um, those type of players or leaders What's some of those particular attributes that they sort of show and then and, and how would you, where do you sort of sit in, in the fold of that um, in terms of some of those qualities? Yeah, one of the things I love about leadership is everyone's different and 
that's that's for good reason because your teammates respond to different people. We're all so unique. So I guess that's the benefits of, of having a leadership group. There's always someone in there that you can you can connect with um, in a way that maybe you can't other people. So I guess obviously Erin Phillips, her, her leadership was all about the elite standards coming from her background in basketball um, in that very first year when none of us had played elite sport in our lives. And so she was coming out of that environment and what she brought to us was just only the greatest, the best, the highest standards were accepted. Um, anything below that and no, you're out. So that's a big part on why Adelaide <laughs> was successful, really. And then you got Chelsea Randall, who yeah. is obviously, you know, that superwoman on the field flying left, right and centre. So really stands up to, to perform, but is also, I guess, the the good cop and you know what's ever had to be friends and nice and <laughs> so she was yeah. that one you'd, you'd go to if you wanted a hug um but yeah and generally same thing at the suns you know all the leaders complement each other we've, we've even got some new leaders in there this year and um yeah the group's great they've all got the same focus for the team i think that's really important as a leader that that you do stick together and hey this is where we're taking our our team and i think the qualities that that I bring is more of that. All right, how can we all move forward and get better? We don't leave any man behind. Um, just really empowering my teammates that you can do this. So giving that encouragement and that that confidence to the group is is definitely one of my strengths as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's good. I'll, I'll sort of just before I keep moving, we'll just keep touching on it. Let you yeah. go next, Harry, with your question, but. More so, just touch on that leadership stuff and sort of coaching females. Do you think it's, and this is probably more for our listeners out there, male coaches, because let's be honest, there is a, obviously more of a supply of male coaches over female coaches and leaders. Uh, sorry, not leaders, mm-hmm. coaching in that sort of leadership role. Um, what would your recommendation be out there? And I think I know what the answer you're going to say, but for our listeners, would you treat I know women don't want to be treated differently or females don't want to be treated differently, but is there a, I think there's that anxiety out there for men going, I have to treat the girls a tiny bit differently or I've got to change my coaching styles or the way I lead or the way I coach. Again, I think I know what the answer is going to be, but just for our listeners, is there a distinct difference in any way with yeah, your experiences? Um, yeah, how do I word that? Um, in terms of, yeah, I guess we, like, we, don't, we don't want you guys or we don't want men or the coaches to change their style mm. for us, but kind of in a way yeah we do some some of us some girls or some of us players do need a bit more nurturing or whereas others can take it you can yep. be as brutal brutal as hell to someone face to face and that that will make them better whereas other girls will go into their shell so i just think with from my experience um and the teams afl teams that i've been involved in that yeah everyone is is different um being group of 30 females the emotions are running right at the end of the day it's down to the player you've got to be able to to com- compart what's that word compartmentalize compartmentalize yeah. compartmentalize you know, leave whatever yeah. at the door yeah. um and it's like all athletes sometimes though you know things may get to you one day that don't the other day so i think that is a challenge in the coaching space um of female athletes but in terms of standards um even game style all those types of things, I don't think it should be any different. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I also think 
It's not. Uh, it's it's probably it's more. I think you touched it perfectly, and that's what I thought the answer was going to be. It's, it's and this is the thing I sort of take out of my culture yeah. too. It's getting to know yeah. the individual. So take the gender out of it. It's knowing the individual because that individual could react differently to the way you're coaching them or treating them or whatever than the next person. So for those coaches out there, it definitely is a, a sort of an individual approach. So get to know your players. I think that's a, yeah, a really yeah. absolutely same. And that's where the teaching and the coaching, you know, is is so similar that you've got a classroom of 25 people, you've got a footy team of 25 people, one person may not be able to read, yet the other one's, you know, really yeah. smart or really athletic or, you know, that type of thing. So it is, it's just catering for the individual, individual, which can be more work, but in the long run, that's how you get greater success. Well, I really like that. I think, um, as you mentioned, Ramsey, being um, sort of making sure that you really get to know the, the people you're coaching goes a long way because, like, we're... When it's not everyone comes to a, like every training session the same. And I think um, if you can't sort of adjust how you coach on the fly, you're not going to be able to help anyone, you know, when they're not having the best day or something like, I think there's, there's so much to it, but if you, if you get to know the individual, you're um, exactly right. It takes a little bit more work, but it's a better experience for, for the athletes in the long run. And um, I think that's something that, uh, that we're obviously trying to facilitate at one-on-one football is, is, is time, time with, an individual coach or an individual mentor, which is as uh, in, a, in a in a group setting of um, you know where it's a you got your the whole team there. You probably don't get exposure to that um, that one on one time, and um, no doubt uh, all of your all of your clients are um, very appreciative of um, of uh, of that that time with you. Um, just quickly before we um, dig into the platform a little bit more, I wouldn't mind um, just going back to some of the leaders um, and sort of as we as we see. Um, women's footy and, and women's sport um, grow and grow, we're, we're seeing the emergence of, of some really strong role models. Um, and some of those names we mentioned before, um, Leah Kasler, you know, it's, they're not just leaders to their team. It's sort of, they're on the, they're on the nation, um, the national stage now. Um, I mean, obviously back when you were growing up, it wasn't, um, it wasn't as prevalent, but did you have any, any sort of um, really strong role models that, um, that you, that you looked up to and, and, and how did they help you sort of um, shape you into the, into the person and the player that you are today? Yeah, I think um, obviously growing up being a mad netballer from a sporting idol and, and leader, I looked up to Sheryl McMahon. So I know, we would know who she is. Not sure if there's any young, young listeners out there. She might not know, but Australian netballer, and I'll never forget the day that she got that winning shot against New Zealand in the last second to win the game for Australia. And I think that's obviously very inspiring, and that's that's showing leadership when you you do your lead by your actions. You're under the pump. You have to hit this goal to win for your team, and you're able to just be calm and, and execute. Um, in terms of, I don't obviously don't know Sherelle personally, but that was a bit of my idol who I looked up to. Um, and in terms of, again, growing up through the netball, I, you always had that coach. I think in, even listening to this, you guys are probably thinking now of that coach who really resonated with you and you were, they were able to get the most out of you. Um, and for me, knowing that I wanted to be a teacher as well, I guess, yeah, a couple of my old netball coaches, I was like, I really liked the way they went about that or what they did made me better um, and then I've learned from that and then now passed on what I've learned to my staff, my sorry, students and 
and clients who I coach. So, yeah, there's definitely, I can't pinpoint one person, but I've taken a little bit from, from everyone who I've worked with to shape how now I'm a leader and hopefully a role model to others. Fantastic. Definitely. I think that's, um, yeah, everyone's got to aspire and have those those mentors or those role models you look up to, whether you know them, as you said, or, or you don't know them. I think that's really important. And now being a role model yourself, um, let's go into the platform and you're on board our one-on-one coaching platform for about a year now. And you're a very popular coach here on the Gold Coast and, um, you know, coaching a lot of young girls and, and young boys out there. Um, what can footballers expect when they book in a session with you on the, on the oh, Gold Coast? A lot of fun, of course. That's the number one thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, as I said earlier, yes. um, having done it for a year now and um, before long you are you are doing a lot of sessions because people, and especially with mm. more younger girls now, they're wanting to get better, have fun and, and learn the skills of footy. So, um, yeah, I've, I've loved it. Um, I'm also meeting new up-and-coming superstars. So I guess what you can expect is the sessions are essentially run by, run by them. They tell me, hey, what would you like to work on? Where are mm. you at? Where would you like to go? Um, and as I get to know um, yeah, my players better, I say, hey, how about maybe we work on this or whatever it might be. And that's what I really love about the one-on-one platform. Essentially, the content is dictated by the player. They come to me, what what would you like to do? And then we can plan five-week block, 10-week block or um, and that type of thing. And again, with the vision, those extra resources and like Harry touched on before, that one-on-one contact where it's it's constant, the focus is is you if you're doing a solo session and you're touching the footy, you know, 500 times in an hour. And, um, again, like, like I touched on before, that's how you get better. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much my, me in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> similar Amazing. to all the other one-on-one coaches out there. It's, it's great. Uh, and, you're, and you're doing a great job, doing a great job. Um, in, a, in a general sense, um, Sally, do you have any advice um, for up-and-coming AFLW superstars, you mentioned before, um, yeah. In a general sense, how can they um, how can they have an impact? I guess if they're um, if they're looking to to make it to the top level. Yeah. Um, again, personally, I I love this now that that's a dream for those ten-year-old girls out there um, watching the TV, and going, "Hey, that can be me," because that's reality. Is it it can be you? Um, and my advice is, especially when you're young, just keep having fun. Don't, there's no need to push too hard because then you'll fall out of love with the game, um, which would be a real shame, and we do see that happen. So I know I think if I was 10-year-old me, um, I'd still be playing my netball, still be playing my football, um, you know, having a crack at school, just just doing everything. Maybe later on, get up to the near the draft age, focus a little bit more. But, yeah, essentially having fun and just having that, that really positive attitude and that drive to it's okay when you have a bad day or play it off game but you know you're working towards something that is essentially it can be real so that's my advice is have fun seek help if you need there's lots of people out there who again like yourselves would be happy to to help out and it's it's not all about the on-field stuff as well which is the other thing that I'm really passionate about that you know sometimes things are hard the mental side of the game um can be quite challenging and that's that's normal and that's okay so yeah there's lots of people out there who can help you reach AFL dream that's my advice yeah awesome it's uh it's, it's, it's great to see the, the pathway that um that yourself and um and all the other stars of the AFLW are, um, are starting to pave so 
Um, yeah, exciting. It's exciting times as we as we go into twenty twenty one. Hopefully, um, hopefully we uh, get a bit more of a season than, uh, than what we did last year. But um, now, looking forward to uh, to seeing you pull on the uh, pull on the boots again um, in twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one, the year of the yeah. Suns. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. the Suns. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it. Uh, bring that premiership back to the Gold Coast. Yeah, that's all, that's all we've got time for today, guys. Um, Sally, thank you so much for coming on episode number four of the podcast. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks for having me. I was just saying, I, I love the work that you guys do as well. It's it's a great platform and I'm not just saying that. Um, I know personally, no, as a footballer, I just think, wow, if, if I had these resources, like I said before, um, as an up-and-coming footballer, I know now I would be a better footballer for it. So, yeah, love your work, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Sally. Thanks, Sal. No worries. See ya. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on future episodes, special guests, and more, feel free to subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. One-on-one football, connecting footballers with private AFL-accredited coaches Australia-wide. Register now at oneonefootball.com.au.